You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you are saved this morning, you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, you know He is good. Uh, what a wonderful Savior. And this morning, uh, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, let me encourage you, trust Him today. Uh, no greater joy, no greater peace, no greater love will you ever experience than knowing the Savior. And what a blessing. Thank you so much for that special. This last week, we started a series out of Ephesians 6, and it was entitled, Under Attack. And we are in a spiritual battle. Uh, there is a spiritual warfare that is raging that, though we may not be able to see it with our eyes, the spiritual realm, we see the results of this spiritual warfare everywhere we turn. We see it when you turn on the news. We see it in the brokenness of homes. We see it with the hate and the racism, the abuse, the murder. We see it in broken marriages and relationships. We see it in the abuses that take place and the injustices, the abuses physically and uh, morally, uh, the abuses emotionally. Uh, injustices are, are rampant everywhere we look, there's a spiritual battle that's going on. And we as individuals are in this battle. You know, as Christians, we're not the only one that's in this battle. The devil is against everybody. He wants to destroy the person that cusses God because the devil is a destroyer. He's not just against those that are within the walls of the church. He is against every person. We were created in the image of God, and the devil hates God. And he hates every resemblance of God. And he wants to destroy every individual that is down here on this earth. And we are in a spiritual uh, battle. Uh, and we are aware of uh, and are to some degree, ex we experience uh, the, the uh, results of this brokenness and a decaying society. We see the, uh, we, we look around us in our world and we see how things are waxing worse and worse when we have more at our fingertips than we have ever had. We have better technology yet the battle grows fiercer. We have better medicine, yet the attacks continue to grow worse. We have uh, nicer, uh, we have better jobs and, and better incomes. We have bigger and nicer homes than our country has ever had. Yet this battle rages worse and worse. And the casualties are greater and greater. It is unbelievable. We are in a failing society that has all the opportunities to succeed. When our founding fathers came to this nation, when our, uh, when our nation was established, 
We had all of the, uh, the biblical principles and the foundation that this country has been established on. We have a country whose motto is in God we trust. But God has been expelled from our society. We are trying to remove not just God, we are trying to remove every vestige that, vestige that reminds us of God. Uh, the, very, uh, the very scriptures, the, uh, the, the uh, scripture that, uh, that, are, that are engraved in granite when you go to Washington, D.C. You go to the Supreme Court and you see Moses and the Ten Commandments right there in the Supreme Court, yet they do not want to admit that God is a part of our nation. We're in a spiritual battle. And this is a battle that if we are not going to fight, we will lose. And it's not just whether or not we lose, what about those that come behind us? What are we going to hand off to our children and our grandchildren? What kind of a society are we going to hand off to those that are coming behind? You see, this spiritual warfare uh, is, a, is a warfare that is taking place, and we are under attack. And this problem uh, is, is a problem that uh, we have got to do our part. Those of us who are on the right side of this battle... We're not doing a very hot job of fighting the battle. We have grown quiet. We have grown complacent. Apathy sets in. And those that have the truth and are holding the light are being outshadowed, overshadowed by darkness. There's a spiritual warfare that's going on. The church is not winning this battle. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about us. The church is the people. It's not the building. The building is just a tool. The church is is the assembly of God's people. And it, as we are endeavoring collectively, corporately, to fight this spiritual battle that we have been brought into, a battle that God says that we are to put on the whole arm, armor of God, that, me, that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, this battle that we have been brought into is a battle that we are expected to not just fight. It's a battle that we are expected to win. We are on the winning side. And we look around and we, uh, we feel as though we are losing. And just as in times past when there has been spirit of revival, those opportunities are here for us today. God has not left us without hope. And you and I as believers, we have a wonderful opportunity to share how good God is with this dark world. 
And we've got to do our part as we do this morning, as we look at uh, this, uh, this message, this series of Under Attack. Uh, I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, religious relevancy. Religious relevancy. Now, I use the word religious in a, in a very vague term uh, because there's a difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is a do and, re, and Christianity is a done. Uh, religion is something that we have to do to merit uh, the salvation, merit the approval of God. But Christianity is not based on what we do. Christianity is based on what Christ has already done. And so I use the term religious uh, in a broad sense, understanding the difference here. Religious relevancy. And I say that because the world looks at Christians, the world looks at church, they don't understand what the differences are. They just look at us and they, they do not understand the impact or the relevancy that we have for their life. Are we relevant to the needs of this world? And the answer is yes, a resounding yes. Uh, We are relevant to what what the needs of this world are. And, And though the church was never designed for the world, the church is an institution that God has uh, started for the edification of the believer. And the mission of the church is to build the believer, to edify the believer, so the believer then can go out into the world and fulfill the mission that we have been commanded to fulfill, and that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, we have the truth, we have the light, and this world is in darkness, and this battle of darkness is one that is is prevailing, and we we have got to come to a place where we recognize that as as soldiers of the king, as, as those who are the light bearers for the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that we are holding the banner high so other people will see how good God is. Uh, The Lord is good, amen? Uh, He is worthy of our honor and he is worthy of our praise and he is worthy uh, of us living and serving him uh, because of what he has already done for us. I mean, I just celebrated this week uh, my 38th uh, anniversary of being saved, my 38th spiritual birthday. Uh, I look back at that day, April 23rd, 1980, and that was the day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. You know what? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Everything changed because of what the Lord did in my life on that day. Let me tell you something. Uh, That's exactly what God can do in every other person's life uh, when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. He is the answer for every problem. The, The problem for every marriage is not just counseling. The problem or the answer for every marriage is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the problem, uh, financial problems that people experience, uh, it's not just uh, having a better plan. Uh, the, the, the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the answer for uh, the parenting and raising children in this dark day, it's not just uh, trying to get them into more clubs and programs. The Lord is the answer for every situation that you and I face. You see, Jesus is the answer the songwriter wrote for the world today. Above him, there's none other. Jesus is the way. Dr. Ken Ham, he wrote a book entitled Gospel Reset. 
in this book, he shared the premise that we currently live in a post-Christian culture. And the gospel has to be shared uh, on the basis of a uh, basis that our country is biblically illiterate. Now that, that has never been the case. America has been the nation of, of Christianity. America has been the nation where, where the biblical truths have been shared. The, the, the fabric of our nation, not that everybody in America was a Christian, but the very fabric that our society, our civil government, uh, our justice system, it is all built on biblical principle. And, and there was an understanding of right and wrong. You know what happened? You remove you remove God from the equation and now there are no absolutes. And without absolutes, a country comes apart. Parents, without absolutes, your home will come apart. There, there is right and there is wrong. And I know that sometimes the right and wrong and the differences might be a little bit vague in some situations, but for the most part, we know what's right and what's wrong. And right and wrong, what makes it right and what makes it wrong is what does God say? And when we look at what God says and we put him in the place in our life where we realize and recognize that God is the one that makes the rules. You know what? I don't make the rules. God does. You don't make the rules. God does. And though we may choose our own path and go our own direction, one day we will come into judgment, not according to what we think is right and wrong, but what God says is right and wrong. a nation that will be 245 years old here in just a few weeks. This nation that has been the hub to send the gospel around the world is now bereft of the gospel. The one that was sending light everywhere else is now getting darker and darker. And there's a spiritual warfare that's going on. But it's getting darker because the Christian, the light, is getting dim. The Bible says that we are not of this world. We are in the world but we are not to be of the world. We are to be a peculiar people. He say, Pastor, that is so true. You come into church and there's a bunch of weird people. <laughs> but you know what? The problem is we are so afraid of somebody thinking we are weird, we will not stand for righteousness. We want to just fit in. Remember the peer pressure of being in seventh grade? Do you remember that? For some of us, that was a long time ago. But I remember when I went into seventh grade, here you go from being in elementary school and sixth graders, you're on the top of the block. You get to do whatever you want. You're the big kid in school. 
And then you walk into a, uh, a, uh, a junior high school and uh, seven, ours were um, uh, junior highs. So we had seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. I think there was uh, 1,200 kids in my, in my junior high school. And uh, it, was, it was huge. And, and I remember all of a sudden feeling like this real small, vulnerable little guy. And the peer pressure was unbelievable. And you would do almost anything to fit in. That same peer pressure didn't stay in junior high. We go into the workplace. And everybody's promoting wickedness. And and espousing all of this ungodly principles and we stay quiet. Well, I just don't have the rights to speak my piece at work. Well, if they have the right to speak their piece at work, come on, don't get quiet. You see, that peer pressure now, all of a sudden, we've, we have allowed the darkness, this spiritual battle that is going on. I'm not saying that you get up in the, uh, in the workplace and you get your Bible out and, and you start preaching to everybody. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is there is right and wrong. And the views of unrighteousness and there are views of righteousness. And we have to stand somewhere. And silence is consent. Silence is consent. And for too long, we have been quiet. Let me tell you, the, the, uh, the uh, abortion crowd is not quiet. Don't get quiet on me. We're just starting, all right? The abortion uh, crowd is not quiet. The LGBT movement is not quiet. The gender confusion uh, crowd that is trying to impress your children uh, that they do not know what they are, uh, that is a a godless, uh, a a biblically godless uh, 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 mindset, philosophy, and teaching. And somebody has to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. There is a right and there is wrong. But we have been quiet. We're quiet in here. And if we can't be, if we can't even uh, have the strength to say amen or affirmation of truth within the walls of the church, how are we ever going to have the confidence and the strength to be able to stand up against an evil world and stand up against the wiles of the devil that is coming before us? You see, there is a battle that is going on, and the church is losing its relevancy because we are being quiet. According to a study this year by Barna, they stated that 60,000 churches in America are on the precipice of closing down in the next 18 months. 60,000 in the next 18 months. Why is that? Because people don't understand the importance of church. Because church is irrelevant to the life 
of the believer. And what makes it relevant is whether or not we are accepting what God says. As soon as we stop accepting the principles and the teachings of God's word in our practical daily life, then what we are saying is what the church is promoting is irrelevant to our culture, it's irrelevant to the day, and it is unnecessary. We know academically that is not the truth. But practically, is that how we are living? Biblical relevancy. We see the relevancy of the church. Uh, according to a Pew Research poll, they stated that only four out of ten regular church attendees uh, attended church within a, the last month. That's, that's those that are saying that they are regular church attendees. Only 40% say that they're going to church. Four out of 10, I'm sorry, it was 58% attended a church service within the last month. Four out of 10 of believers attended a church on Easter Sunday. Now just stop and think about that. That is so impactful. When you look at the importance of the resurrection in the life of the believer, when only 40% of professing Christians attended church on Easter Sunday, that is saying something about the relevancy of church. That is saying something about the relevancy of the Christian life. That is saying whether or not we are engaging in this spiritual battle or whether or not we are just backing off uh, and allowing the devil to have his way. So what's happening? Church is losing its relevancy in the life of the believer. And when it loses its relevancy within the walls of the church, it will lose its impact outside the walls. And you and I are in this battle, whether we want to be or not. There's a devil that hates you. There's a devil that wants to destroy you. There's a devil that wants to destroy you and your family. He wants to take anything good out of your life. He wants to destroy you. And there's a Savior who is good. There's a Savior who is gracious. There's a Savior who has given us not only the gift of salvation, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Not only is God so good that he gave us salvation, he has given us so many blessings. We are such a blessed people. And, and here we, we would think that out of a heart of love and gratitude for the Savior, that we would want to stand up for him. Stand up for, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Uh, but the Bible tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. In, Saul, in Isaiah 59, what we find is the exact same scenario that is going on in our country today went on in ancient Israel. And leading up to Isaiah 59, the, God's people had turned away from the Lord and God raised up a wicked king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar came and God's judgment was pronounced and Jerusalem uh, was overthrown and Israel was destroyed. Uh, why? Because of their turning away from God. Judgment was turned away backward and justice standeth afar off. 
for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth. And that is the result of a people who knew the truth but did not live it, did not stand for it. For it. And in doing so, a society turned to darkness rather than light. So what can we do What can we do to change the game? What can we do to change the direction? And I'm looking at the clock, uh, so uh, don't don't worry, I've only got about another hour and a half of message here in my notes, Uh, but no, just kidding. Uh, But here, uh, what can we do with the condition that we are in? What opportunities do we have uh, to make a difference? Uh, Number one, we need to be connected. We need to be connected. Christians need to be connected to the church. The church is relevant, amen? The church is relevant. And God didn't start the church for us just to show up here and there. God started the church and he wants us all to be members of the body. It's not enough just to attend. He wants us to be connected. You see, we have, we have this idea, well, if I, if I just attend, then I can just come when I wanna come and go when I, and that's the truth for anybody. Nobody is holding, uh, nobody, nobody's gonna, uh, hold somebody's arm behind their back and make them go to church. But there is a mental connection tied to our commitment. You know, it's different if you're a member of the family versus being a guest. You know, when a guest comes, there's nothing expected of them. You have have somebody as a guest in your home and you have dinner there and the, the food is all out and everybody's eating. And you know, when, when dinner's over, you don't expect the guests to get up and start cleaning the dishes. But the members of the family, they've got responsibility. And it's expected they're gonna jump up and help. You know, you know what, why the church is losing the relevance? Because we've got churches that are filled with spectators instead of members. And there is a mindset that is there that needs to be changed. The Lord wants us to be connected. He added us to the body. The very, the very, uh, uh, the very uh, visual that he gave us was a physical body. And he talked about he has added every member to the body as it hath pleased him. And he's talking about digits of the body. He goes through and talks about the eye and the ear and the nose. Uh, he talks about the toe, the foot. Uh, he, he understands that, that there are many members of the body and having the pieces and the members connected, you can accomplish something as a whole. And the church is not a fragmented, dismembered body. It is to be an assembly of believers. And you, let me encourage you, be connected to the church. Uh, you say, Pastor, I come. Are you a member? Say, Pastor, I thought I just, I was a member because I came. No, you got to join the church. He said, well, what does that entail? Well, if you're saved and you've been baptized by uh, scriptural, scripturally by immersion and you would like to come and join the church and in a, with an affirmation of the, the testimony of our faith, the statement of faith, you're welcome. 
And God wants you to be a part of the, the body. We need to be uh, members of the body, uh, the church. Uh, it is not a passive program that we attend. It is a body that we belong to, a functioning, contributing body. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 21 to 26, uh, just jot those down. But we need to be connected. Uh, it's a spiritual, corporate, living institution uh, that the Lord Jesus started, that he loves, and that that he, uh, he purchased with his own blood. What can we do, pastor? What can we do? Be connected. Number two, be compassionate. Be compassionate. You know, the Lord went about doing that which was good. The Lord loved people. You know what this world needs? It needs people. This, this world needs to be loved. I'm not talking about putting a stamp of approval on wrong, but the people of this world, they need to be loved. They don't need to be judged. We don't do so good at that anyway. We may know right and wrong, and we make judgments so we are going to live the way we're supposed to live. But this world needs somebody to have compassion. Matthew 9, 36 through 38, uh, the Bible says, Then saith, uh, he said, But when they saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them uh, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. And when the Lord was looking out at this multitude of people. Uh, he had just addressed adultery. He had just addressed sin. He just had addressed problems. But it was not that he said, uh, these people, I love this person, and I love this person, and I love this person. No, he had compassion on all of them. Why? Because they were wandering. They didn't have direction. You know, the people that are out in the world doing things that we would look at and, and just scratch our head, why are you doing that? Because they have no direction. The absolutes have been removed out of their life. There are, there are things that they have not been given. I'm not saying that's the truth for everybody. But the Lord looked at that crowd and he said that they were scattered abroad, they were faint, they were weak, they were wandering, they were vulnerable. Uh, these people were lost without God in this world. And the Lord looked at them and he was looking at them with compassion. And you and I, we need to look around at this world with compassion. With compassion. Now, I'm not saying we embrace the things that are sinful or wrong. But who wants to come to a savior when all they feel is judgment? Who wants to come to a church where they feel like if I walk in those doors, everybody's gonna just judge me? 
You see, we need to be people who are loving the way the Lord was loving. Uh, Luke 14, 23, and the Lord said unto his servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. And the Lord here, uh, he, was, he was wanting people to come uh, so they would know. Uh, the Lord uh, preached in, in Luke chapter number four, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty uh, them that are bruised. You see, what do we find? We find a Lord that was looking around at a broken world and said, I know how to help them. And you and I, who have the truth, we are to be that light. We are to be the light that is going to help them. Uh, do, they, do, they, do they see our love? Do they see our compassion? Do they see our concern for their broken condition? And sin is ugly, and, and there are problems that come because of it, but they can, there can still be a love and a care and concern for those people. So pastor, what can we do? Number one, we need to be connected. Number two, we need to be compassionate. Number three, we need to be challenged. We need to be challenged. We need to be challenged and accept the challenge to do something for the Savior. We've got right now. That's all, that's all we have. We're not promised a tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. Uh, I don't know what, uh, that I'm gonna, what the things that I am going to face, but I need to be challenged uh, that I am going to do what I can. Uh, so what can I do? Number one, be, re be real. Be real. Amen. Just be real. Amen. The world doesn't need any hypocrites. Just be real. He said, well, I'm not good enough. Well, welcome to the crowd. None of us are. And we're all on this journey of trying to live right and trying to do right and trying to follow the Savior. None of us have arrived. We're all on this journey together. And we may be a farther ahead than somebody else, but we're just all on this journey. We are all sinners saved by grace. John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. And when I say be real, I'm saying can genuinely love people. Love people. That's what we need to be challenged to do because that's what the Lord does. The Lord loves everybody for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We need to be real. We need secondly to be relevant. We need to be relevant. I think about uh, in Acts chapter number uh, 17, the apostle Paul went to Mars Hill. And here he was in, in Greece, and he was, he was reaching out to the skeptics. Uh, he looked and he saw a, a, a monument to the own, unknown God, and, and he went to them and said, listen, this is what you say, and this is your question. Let me give you a perspective. Let me give you an answer. He went to where they were with right answers. You know, we need to be engaging this world with truth. 
We can't expect everybody just to come up with the right answer. I would never have. I would never have been able to assimilate the understanding of who God was if somebody did not confront me with the gospel, if somebody did not come alongside and teach and train, if somebody didn't disciple me. There was no way that I was going to learn it, and that's the case for you as well. We need to be relevant to the world that's around us. We say that there are problems with the philosophy of this world. Are we standing up with biblical answers of why, what we, what we believe? The Bible says that we are to be able to give an answer of the hope that is in us. We should be able to explain what God's view would be on these different situations. We need to be relevant because what questions they have today, we need to be able to share with them biblical answers. Be relevant. Thirdly, we need to be a reconciler. Be a reconciler. First Corinthians tells us that God hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that is? That is bringing two opposing parts back together. Two parties that are, that are uh, at odds, bringing them back together. The ministry of reconciliation is a ministry that every believer is to have. You're to be reconciling somebody else to another brother or sister. You're to be reconciling uh, somebody that does not know God to God. We are to be reconciling those relationships, and that is a job that every one of us have been tasked with. And as we are doing so, we will change our world one soul at a time. One soul at a time. The church needs to be relevant. Religious relevancy. And either we will just be pushed to the side as not relevant to the culture that we live in, or we will recognize that we are to be light for the Lord Jesus Christ. In a world that's darkness, and not everybody's going to accept but somebody should meet the Lord because of you. Somebody should meet the Lord because of me. Religious relevancy. And we have to be light in this world. God knows exactly your situation. He knows where you work. He knows the pressures. He knows people in your family. He knows those that you have influence with. He knows the spiritual warfare that you face day in and day out. And he wants you to have victory. We're under attack. We need to put on the whole armor of God so we can stand in this evil day. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning. Thank you for 
the fact that you have given us truth to stand by. It's not just somebody's opinion. It's not just another idea uh, that somebody came up with. God, you have given us the absolutes uh, for an individual. You have given us absolutes for a society, for this world that you created. And now we come before you this morning just seeking your direction and your guidance. We pray that you would help the church to be relevant to the society that you have left us in. And that comes down to each and every person realizing that they have an opportunity to stand for you. And I pray that that would be the case. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're saved this morning. Pastor, I'm saved. I know the Lord Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. Say, Pastor, that's me this morning. I know the Lord is my Savior. There's been a time that I've accepted him. Just slip your hand up this morning if you would. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Testimony to the Lord. You can put it down. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm I'm a child of God, but I haven't been being the light that I need to be. I've been quiet. I've been silent. I've been a spectator. And the Lord's put his finger on something in your life. Let's respond to that. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I don't know Christ as my personal Savior. Uh, you preached about something that I do not understand. I don't know if I died, I'd go to heaven. I wish I could have that confidence. Here in just a moment, we're all going to stand. An invitation is going to be given. And if you don't know Christ, let me encourage you to come. If the Lord put his finger on something in your life, this morning, you respond. Let's all stand together as the instruments continue to play. The altar's open. Pastors are down front. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, let me encourage you to come. Maybe as a Christian, the Lord put his finger on something in your life. Maybe we've not been standing for the Lord. Maybe we've been a spectator and we need to get engaged and involved. Maybe we've been attending, but we're not a member and we need to, we need to join. What decision is it that God wants you to make? Let's make it today. Let's make it today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.